Alright, we finally made it to the Stone Lion Inn after wrapping up our interviews in Guthrie. What do you think of this building? Oh, it's a beautiful mansion, isn't it? It certainly is. Looks like you have a kind of a nice, kind of a sort of, if you were in the summer, sip some lemonade or something, you know, just kind of relax. Absolutely. It's classical early Oklahoma architecture with the wide porches and large windows let the breeze through in the summer so that you can survive. Anything particularly interesting or notable that you see with the building? Uh, well, it's clear-cut Victorian architecture. We've got the rounded tower there. We've got the curves in the woodwork. And look there, you can see some shadows in the window. Where? Over on the west side, above the carriage port. Uh, sorry, I don't see anything. Maybe it's Brian or Lacey that we're going to be meeting up with today from the Oki Show Show. Uh, perhaps so. I guess uh, it does have a ponytail, which might be out of character for whoever might still be here. Well, let's not keep them waiting. I'm Sam Saxon. I'm Joff DeRoot. And you're listening to Tales Unveiled, where we explore urban legends. This episode of Tales Unveiled is sponsored by Okie Comics. For another unique exploration of Oklahoma stories in comic book form, check out okiecomics.com. That's O-K-I-E comics.com. Inside the Stone Lion Inn, we met up with Brian, Lainey, and Nicholas from the Okie Show Show podcast, as well as the owner of the Bed and Breakfast, Rebecca Luker. Brian was still in the process of setting up his audio equipment when we had arrived. He's an unforgettable sort of character. He's had once told me that people from high school would remember him while he couldn't place a name on their faces. However, he did admit, in his defense, that it's pretty easy to remember a person with two different colored eyes. The professor and I decided to explore the house while we waited. Let's see what's in this. Is there another room over there? It's a twisting labyrinth. Lots of built-ins too. Built-in bookshelf right here. Doesn't look like any of those books would like lead to a secret passageway. That would be pretty funny. I'd be surprised if one didn't. We continued our exploration. Each of the rooms had a different theme and layout. One suite even had a sunroom that felt very freeing after walking around the house. We eventually stumbled upon a room of particular interest to the professor. This one has kind of like another sunroom almost, but not as sunny. Almost like a makeup room. That's probably how I would describe this. A nursery, you might say. Uh, apparently this is the bedroom where the little girl is seen the most. Oh, well then. Don't see any little girls right now. After checking out the doll room, we made our way back downstairs. Brian was still setting up the sound equipment when we encountered his wife, Lainey, who had just had an exploration of her own. Oh, here's Brian's wife. She... Did she get... go to? Oh, did you go to the basement? I did go to the basement, and it's fantastic. Ooh, can you take us to there? Why, of course I can take you to there. All right, thank you. All right. We are now being led to the basement of the building, which, if you're a regular listener, you know how much we like basements. Oh, wow, there's like a... like a barricade covering the basement. That's totally not ominous at all. Okay, going down into the basement. Gotta be careful with our steps. The professor has turned on a flashlight to help me see. There we go. Here we are in the basement. Yep, it's a basement. Lots of old appliances, no longer used. Got some lighting in here. 
Definitely a place to hunker down in. Currently the floor is dry. So I guess they don't really have any issues with flooding. It's been wet in Oklahoma lately. Yeah. Oh, she's taking us to somewhere interesting that caught her eye. There is a blue wooden door. She's checking to see if it's locked. And it looks like it is, but she is pulling on some sort of lever. I'm really curious to see what's inside behind this blue door. Now she got it open. Oh, it leads to outside. Oh, it's a cellar. Oh, well. As Lainey returned things to their original place, the professor and I noticed some familiar looking stains along the basement walls. I don't know, I feel like some of these stains are following us, mm -hmm. but these only seem to be about half the size of the others. Well, we are in Guthrie. Most of the ones we saw were in Oklahoma City. It's like, what would you say? Like they were getting more intense in the city and like getting further away. It's kind of weird. Perhaps so. Something's definitely here. We need more research. Well, I think everyone's getting almost ready. We probably should join up with the others and see if they're ready for us. How does that sound? Sounds fantastic. The three of us returned back upstairs where they were just about ready for us. To pass the time, the professor and I went back outside to get a soundbite of the front door opening to use for the intro. Lainey had also stepped outside to make a phone call. Now, what I'm about to describe next, I will admit, was weird. I had one hand on my microphone and the other one holding the recorder while the professor opened the front door. I got the sound effect, and so the professor closed the door behind us. A moment later, Lainey knocked. The door was locked. Neither the professor nor I had locked it. After all, I had my hands full and no one else was around, but the door was locked. This incident made the professor giddy with excitement. I already stated I thought it was weird, and I'm sure there was a logical explanation, but it was time for us to do the interview. Okay, is everybody ready now? Let's do this. Mm -hmm. I believe introductions are in order. Well, I will start. I am Sam Saxon. This is Professor Joff Deroot. Oh, oh yes, you. This is Mr. Nicholas Zabo. And I'm Dr. Brian Gilliland. You got that doctorate? Nice. I did. Nice. From, you know... Phoenix, Arizona. Perseverance. Or Phoenix University, whatever it's called. Only took you 12 years. I, perseverance. Some of us earned our professorships. And I'm Rebecca Luker. I'm the owner of the Stone Line in Bed and Breakfast. This is so cool to be here. Mm -hmm. Thank you for having us, Rebecca. We appreciate it's the opportunity. Well, I'd like to get started and ask you a little bit about, tell us about the Stone Line Inn for those that aren't familiar with you. Well, the Stone Line Inn was created in 1986 when I moved over here from Santa Fe, New Mexico, and I bought what was known as the Houghton House. The original owners, uh, F. E. Houghton, um, had a mercantile store here in Guthrie and several grocery stores and a few mercantile stores around the state, and he came with Landrush of 1889. And he and his first wife settled into a little shotgun house that used to be on the east side of this house, the Stone Line Inn. And they lived there for a few years and had four children, and his wife died. He remarried, and his second wife had two more children while they were living next door. And by that time, he had amassed a huge fortune in the Oklahoma Territory. He had the very first cotton gin. He was the founder of Cotton Oil Company. He had three mercantile stores, eight grocery stores, and the first car dealership. Wow, quite so impressive. He, yes, he was vastly wealthy. So in 1906, they ran out of room with those six children next door, and he commissioned this house to be built. And it was built by the same gentleman who was here building the Carnegie Library. Wow. So it was a well-engineered house, and uh, they, it was completed in 1907. 
they moved in and had six more children. It's quite a lot of children, I'd say. Can you remember how many? Test time. Fourteen? <laughs> <14? laughs> how many rooms are in this house? Twelve. Yeah. <laughs> all of them. All of the children. He had all of the children. <laughs> well, um, all of those children survived childhood, except for one. There was a little girl who was born at the turn of the century, in the year 1900, in the house next door. So when they moved here in 1907, she was seven years old, and she contracted whooping cough. And what is believed to have happened is that the maid over-medicated her and she died. At the turn of the century, they were using opium and codeine and cough syrups. Mm. And it was just, you know, all drugs were over-the-counter. The druggist yeah. would just mix up a batch of Better something. times, back when America yes. was great. And <laughs> so... Um, Apparently, as the cough gets worse in the late afternoon and early evening, many caregivers would just administer more and more cough syrup, and wow. children died. Of course, they also died from whooping cough, but this child was accidentally overdosed. And supposedly, she haunts the Stone Lion Inn. Her story has been written up in countless number of magazines and newspaper articles. I checked on Amazon the other night, and there are 23 books on the market with stories of the Stone Lion Inn and that's, these stories. That's quite an impressive number there. Oh, so and cool. listen to these titles, too. I mean, you're going to want to buy every one of them. Now, can you list some of those off, please? Yes. Ghosts of the Southwest, Ghosts of the Plains, Ghosts of the Mid-Plains, and Ghosts of the Lower Plains, Ghosts of Route 66, Ghosts of I-40, Ghosts of I-35. Are we getting? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> quite a crossroads. This is the great. Well, that's the great thing about being in Oklahoma. We get a crossroads of everything. But um, I can always tell when somebody has copied somebody or plagiarized somebody else's story, because they will call her Augusta. And when mm. we first found out about our little ghost, we thought her name. We were told her name was Augusta. What but, is her name then? Well. When ghost hunters were here from the Sci-Fi Channel, they found out her name was Irene, and they oh, have wow. oh they have unlimited amount of records and uh, you know so did they they, they belong to every genealogy everything yeah. you can do. So whenever they fa like was that through um, oh, what's the technical term? It's not EMP. What am I thinking of? The internet. <laughs> was that through an internet search? Yes, that was a yes. Perhaps an EVP, <laughs> and the ghost Googled them back. <laughs> EVP, that's what EVP. it is. Yes. No, I don't. Voice I think it was really high tech. You can just dig into. I think they belong to everything yeah. on the internet. That would really be the most frustrating thing for me as a ghost. Like I'm, I'm here. But you're just calling me by the wrong name. It's yeah. just like, come on. I'm writing it out for you everywhere I can. Uh, probably, I kind of felt bad about it. Right, right. Like, it would be one thing if it's it was like, not. you called her Augusta and her name was August. But if yeah, she's like, she's no. up there like, it's not even close, guys. <laughs> well, and the worst part is, is that apparently Augusta lived to, about, to be about 83 years old. Oh wow! Wow! And so that's that the was... opposite of a young little girl. Mm -hmm. Yes, it wow. is. Did it you is. did you say that she lived in the house next door? Yeah, that was what. Remember, I told you that in nineteen uh, in eighteen eighty nine they moved here with a land rush and they built a house next door. Mm -hmm. You know, one of those shotgun houses. Oh, okay. And uh, she was born in that house, but she then when they built this house she was seven years old okay i was gonna yeah. say like that's yeah. that's like jumping over to the next house to go be in that house like I, that, that's a move i would do too just like oh that house looks nicer um, but wait i want <laughs> <laughs> to go haunt that's that one is ca the case of the haunted house is greener on the other side <laughs> well it, in this case it was yeah. <laughs> it really was i saw that little house when i first moved here before they tore it down and mm. it was pretty sad yeah so i, think I she, don't want to haunt this house that yeah. one <laughs> <laughs> it's like a very elaborate, like hunt, a, like a ghostly hermit crab. <laughs> Just like trying to find out. <laughs> but wait, it gets creepier. Okay. Okay. Tell. Well, in the twenties, the bow weevil struck, and cotton went under. They had not developed a weevil-resistant strain of cotton, 
and DDT had not been invented yet. And so people in the cotton market failed, and that this whole fortune was tied into cotton. Mm. And so for a time, they were really leaking money, and they decided that they were going to move to Enid, where they had a mercantile store, and uh, gold, I mean, not gold, oil had been discovered. Same thing. <laughs> liquid gold, <laughs> liquid gold had been discovered outside of Enid, so they moved to Enid. But they didn't want to sell this house. So they leased it to Smith's funeral home, and this became a mortuary. Wow. The Smith family lived upstairs, and the embalming was done back in the kitchen, where I tried to feed you some food. <laughs> <laughs> but of course you refused. Oh, man. How long was it a mortuary? About eight to ten years. What was it in after the 20s? that? In the 20s. Well, the Houghtons moved back and took back the house sometime in the early 30s. They took the house back. And um, Mr. Houghton died here in the house. And then for a time, um, Mrs. Houghton lived in the house alone and or pretty much with her older daughters. And at that time, she needed money. And so she turned the house into kind of a rooming boarding house. And um, it was that up until like around the 50s and then she died Oh, sometime, I think, around 1956. So there have been a number of deaths in the house. Wow. And, and not to mention the fact there have been a number of bodies. bodies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, like, oh, a, lot of, a lot of people dying and a lot of bodies. So just, yeah. of, all the stages of death have yeah. passed through this house. <laughs> yes, I'm afraid so. <laughs> That's true. I didn't find this out uh, for a long time. But did you notice that... The table out there in the hallway. I did. Well, that's a, yeah, that's the embalming table. From I was Smith wondering. When I I was making a sandwich on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I listen. I thought it was a baker's table when I bought oh, the house. No. Yeah. I'm going through this house with Mrs. Walker, and she was a little tiny thing, and she had blue hair. You guys don't know what that means, do you? Blue, blue little blue-haired yeah. lady. Blue oh, when ladies my age used to start turning gray, mm -hmm. especially if they smoked cigarettes. Uh, nicotine would get on the, in the hair and mm -hmm. make the hair real yellow and ugly. So they would use bluing, which was a kind of bleach that you used to, to wash your underwear out with or your sheets that are white. And they would use bluing in their hair, and it would give it a really white, bluish cast, and they were called blue hairs. Fascinating. I, I had no idea. I didn't either. This is the problem working with children. <laughs> It's really a problem. We have a little cultural difference here. Right, don't we? Yeah. Just, a, just a little yeah, bit. Yeah, okay. Well, the, she was a blue hair. Mm -hmm. And in the 80s, it was real popular to perm. So she was a blue hair with little tight curls. Ah. I want to meet this and lady. I'm going, <laughs> she died. Did she have yellow <laughs> skin? Not in this house, right? <laughs> no. You can store a necklace. No, probably. <laughs> but. So I'm going through this house with Mrs. Walker. She's this little bitty lady, and she's really cute. All of the furniture in this house had been auctioned off. There was nothing left except that white table out there in the hallway. And it was in the kitchen. And I had seen it several times when I'd been in the house before I bought it, you know, and I was making a contract and stuff. So I, we come to that, and we're checking off all the items before closing. And we come to the table in this beautiful embalming table in the kitchen. And I said, Mrs. Walker, aren't you going to take this table? And she says, no, sugar, we're, we're downsizing. We don't have room for that table. But you had admired it when you was here. We thought we'd leave it for you. Would you like to have that table? I would love to have that table. It's so unusual. Yes, it is unusual. <laughs> is it a baker's table? Well, it certainly <laughs> could <of>. be. <laughs> could bake on it. <laughs> it's, it's, you just use it any way you want, honey. It's your table now. And I said, thank you. And I thought it was a baker's table. So now for the next few months, I'm rolling out 
Christmas cookies and she Hanukkah didn't say cookies. anything. Nothing. Oh, nothing. Man. She knew damn well it was the embalming yeah. table. Yeah, after you said, I'm gonna put yeah. baking stuff on here, yeah. and she was no. like, cool. Oh yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't for months that I found out, but she knew because she knew the Smith family. Yeah. And this oh. was leased to Smith's family. The Smith Mortuary leased this house in the twenties. So she knew all that. She was born here. But nobody was going to tell me anything, and they certainly weren't going to tell me that the, the house had a reputation for being haunted, because everybody loved these people. They were so sweet, and they were really nice people. He was, I think, a horticulture teacher at the high school. I mean, who doesn't love horticulture teachers? You yeah. love they, them. They grow flowers. Mm -hmm. They teach you how to do, you know, flower arrangements. You love horticulture teachers. Anyway. I didn't find that out for about three months that I was cooking on the embalming table. Yeah, it, oh, sounds, it sounds man. like she's got, a, she's got a little bit of a prankish side. Because there's, yeah. I, I get the not wanting to divulge all this. Like, you know, just use the table. But once you say, I'm going to put food on it, and she's yeah. just like, no. that'd be funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't tell her what I was going to do with it. Uh, she yeah. she yeah. was putting food on it. She used it as a buffet gotcha. in the kitchen. So she would cook big meals for her children mm -hmm. on the weekends, and they would come home, and they would have a big meal together, and then you put the stuff all over the buffet. I want to say a mummy table. You put the stuff on the bomb on the you know on the mummy table on the embalming table, and you throw a sheet over it, you know, or something, and then yeah. you come back later for dinner, mm -hmm. you know, wow. or supper, supper, you know, five to seven come and go type thing. Gotcha. And that's what she would do, and she would tell she told me all the ways that they how they lived in the house, and wow, it was real interesting. She was really a nice person. So, so, and think about this, guys. This was 1986. Think how bad things were in 86. Oil and gas had gone from $66 a barrel to 14. People were broke. I was the last fool to get off the bus and buy the big house, you yeah. know? So nobody wanted to tell me anything about it because oh, they yeah. wanted wow. the walkers to be able to sell the house. And I was the first one that was interested. So what made you want to turn it into a bed and breakfast? It was always my intention to turn it into a bed and breakfast. I had owned a, a bed and breakfast. My sister and mother and I owned a, a bed and breakfast in Santa Fe, uh, New Mexico. And during, you know, it, mainly I was flipping houses in Santa Fe with um, my sister and I and my mother put in some money and we were flipping, I was flipping houses with this guy who happened to think that if there were checks in the checkbook, there was money in the bank. And we overdid one of these houses and we could get rid of it and it was big. So we turned it into a bed and breakfast. And that was my first encounter with bed and breakfast. So when I got a divorce, I thought this would be a great way for me to live and be able to be home with my two children. So I went out, to, but I wanted to leave Santa Fe. So I went out looking for a house. I wasn't looking for a haunted house. I can yeah. tell you that. And honestly, if somebody had told me it was haunted, I wouldn't have believed them. Yeah, it's not that kind of thing you you believe in anybody. But then I didn't know it was also a mortuary either. They didn't tell me that, so I I didn't know anything until we those moved are, into the house. Those are two, you know, two bigger, pretty big details. Two yeah. biggies. Just yeah. like a house, yeah. haunted mortuary. Yeah. Uh, moving on. What's <laughs> fun? So I just started watching American Horror Story, and this totally sounds like the first season of American Horror Story Murder House. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it absolutely does. Like, it's checking off almost all of the boxes, just like yeah. mortuary, yes. Got it, yeah. Uh, ghost children, yes. Uh, got it, All okay. over the place. And somebody was sewing um, bodies together in the basement, got it. Got it. <laughs> all right. I feel like every horror movie that you've seen that's like centered around a house, like every single movie that's like that has the line somewhere in there of like, well, we can't move out or all of our money's wrapped up in this house. That was what so, happened when yeah. I found out. I so this is the leave. real deal. I wow. couldn't. I Life had, imitates art. I, you know, I bought this house for about $95,000, which I think coming from Santa Fe, this was a bargain. Right. I mean, this is like, you know, <laughs> it was like a, a rent house in Santa Fe. Yeah. And so it was so cheap and I bought it and I had to sink a lot of money into it. And by the time I was done, I'd sunk all of my money in it, and I had to make it work. So it yeah. didn't matter what it was. I had to make this thing work. And um, and I was fortunate. I, I was able to do that. And I had a lot of great friends here, too, wow. that were helpful. So. See, my wife and I are just avoiding being haunted <clears throat> because we're just renting. 
Did the ghost not come into rented houses? I, you know, I think there's a clause that comes with being a ghost that's like, I cannot haunt a rented house. Like, as you're signing the lease, they're looking over your shoulder, just like, rent it now. Okay. Yeah, no. I'm just going to hang out in the basement. I'll Boo. see you guys later. Well, you know, <laughs> they used to rent out Amityville, the oh Amityville my God, house. For real? Oh, yes. Wow. Yes. It was a rent house for a while. So nope. I'm sorry to break your little bubble there. Yeah, but. oh man. <laughs> I can think about a dozen rent houses in Norman that they stuff college students in among the ghosts. <sighs> you guys are totally yeah. trashing my theory here. <laughs> <laughs> just one of the lucky ones. It's just yeah. hard to give those things up, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I will say that even though we have never actually bought a house, we have had plenty of weird paranormal experiences in the older rent houses that we have had. So I'm even debunking myself right now. I'm yeah, like, you're, you know, now you're already, I, you've already come over know, to our side. The joke had a great premise, but it really fell apart very quickly. <laughs> Once you abandoned it, yeah. yeah. Kind of <laughs> well, how about we get back on track now and kind of get on the subject about the Stone Line. And I'm kind of curious, when you found out about the ghosts and some of the history of it, and when you decided to capitalize on that. I didn't. Uh, didn't try to capitalize on it at all. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't even tell anybody about it. But we started having guests, and they started having things happening to them. Now, some of the things that happened to us is we would, mostly you hear things at night, and this is why. At night, everything calms down, and you're laying there in bed, and everything's quiet, and then you can hear things. The things that happen in this house happen during the day, all hours of the day and night. So it's not just a nighttime thing. And so we would hear footsteps coming up to the third floor. The door would open. The door would close. There would be nothing there. And I would be laying there awake all night long because I would be so terrified. And I wasn't sure what to do. And I thought, well, it's just my imagination. And we would hear... uh, Sometimes we hear children's laughter around 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And we would hear things, furniture moving around in the house. And when I first moved in, I was remodeling. And I had my own construction crew from Santa Fe was staying here with me. And we would hear things, but we would all believe, well, when you're living with this many people, somebody's going to the bathroom, somebody's getting something to eat, or somebody's out on the front porch smoking a cigarette. Sounds perfectly logical. Yeah, so we'd never really... But then when it got finished, and by the way, my mother was here with us too. Hmm. And uh, at that time, she came as the chaperone because I brought my construction crew with me, six carpenters and one engineer, and she was afraid I would get a bad reputation living with seven men. (laughs) She said to me, well, you can live with seven men in Santa Fe, Becky. No one will think anything of it, but it's not going to play in Guthrie. And she was probably right. Yeah, anything goes in Santa Fe. The world world, (laughs) travels fast in Guthrie. (laughs) So even after they left... We are still hearing the same noises that we were hearing before. And now the children are getting awakened during the night. And they would come and get into bed with me. And they would say, Mom, what was that? And I couldn't say what was on my mind. I think something's wrong with this house. It has issues. we got to get the hell out of here. Because you don't want to scare your little children, right? So I would say, you know, very reassuring things like, this is a wooden house. It expands and contracts with humidity. Let's talk about the weather. <laughs> and I would give them a lesson in dew point relative humidity, and I would be so boring they would go to sleep. And that's what you want, is them to go back to sleep. And so the next time they would get into bed and they would say something, and I'd say, children, this is a very old house, and it's settling. And then I would tell them how houses come out of the ground and how they're built and why they move and stuff like that. And I'd be so boring, they'd go to sleep. I just finally ended up just making up stuff. Yeah. (laughs) But you can't. You know, it's an old house. Sometimes the creaking does sound like blood-curdling screams of a dying (laughs) child. Sometimes there is just laughter. The bathroom laughs. It's okay. Yeah. I don't know. I just want to point out to the listeners that there's been sounds uh, that is pretty typical of like the table moving but no one's touching this freaking table and mm-hmm. are you guys hearing it too yeah because it's sounding like what it sounds like is if i pull the uh, thing off this it sounds like a scratching like kind of like that or there's some kind of movement happening with the xlr cables and the mics and it's and, I, and i'm not kidding i'm not joking like that's for real 
I think every time I've heard this sound, I think I've seen one of you guys just kind of roughhousing around, bumping into things. So I'm pretty sure there's a logical explanation behind this. Well, Brian noise. keeps trying to arm wrestle over here, and I'm trying to be a professional <laughs> about it, and it's just not really working out. I've got to remind you who's the boss around here. Yeah, that's true. I'm really glad you had that interlude to uh, plug your sound effects record. Like, this is what the sound effects <laughs> we're hearing. Yeah. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. It sounds so accurate, doesn't it? Available at okishowshow.com. <laughs> So, nothing like plugging the product. I there know, you go. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you had anything more than just sounds? Well, my younger son saw this little girl on the floor several times. He was seven years old when I bought the house, and she was seven years old when she died in the house. So maybe she was making some kind of a connection with him. But he had said and told my housekeeper that on several occasions he had opened his closet on the third floor and he'd seen a little girl sitting on the floor with, playing with his toys. And before he saw her, he had been experiencing somebody playing in his closet. And it's, he's very meticulous. He puts everything away. And somebody was constantly playing and moving his toys around. So he went out to Walmart and bought locks and chains and everything to keep his brother and I out of his closet. And still there would be movement. Things would be moved around. And he would talk to Michelle about it, our housekeeper. And finally one morning, I was down here in the dining room with some guests. And I heard him back in the kitchen. And he says... Um, to Michelle, oh, just fix me some breakfast and I'll go back when she's done. And I thought he was looking for me. So I popped in the kitchen and I said, are you looking for me? And he said, no. And I said, well, do you have a guest up on the third floor? Is there somebody up there? No. And he looks at Michelle and I said, well, who is this she person? And he looks at Michelle and she says, I think you should tell her what you've seen. And he told me there's a little girl who plays in my closet. And I said the stupidest thing I could have said to him. I said, how do you know it's a girl? And now, and he looked at me like I was crazy. And he said, because I know the difference. Now, that's a very truthful statement. It's yeah. A, seven years old? Seven. Yeah. Yeah. That you just, he didn't make up, he didn't try to tell me what she looked like or anything. He just said, because I know the difference. And that is so much like him. Oh, That's yeah. so much like Ral because, you know, he's a tax attorney and he's not very, um, he's just not a person that's going to waste a yeah. lot of words. Doesn't have a wild imagination hiding out. Yeah. Wow. That's why he's not my tax attorney. <laughs> <laughs> it, I, just, I just like his reaction of like not being scared at all, but just kind of like almost having like an annoying roommate who's in the bathroom, just like, I'll just come in when she's done. It's yeah, fine. Yeah. Like, it's already just such a pro. <laughs> Gotta wait for the guest to be done in the yeah. bathroom. Just, I'm just waiting on the guest. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, that, that's really how Ral yeah. is. Which he closet seriously is. was it upstairs? Because I poked around up there a little bit earlier. On the third floor, as you enter the room, it's on your left. I was going to ask about that one because there's a whole bunch of just little change piles in there. And I had the sense that like, oh, because you were telling us about that earlier. I was like, oh, I feel like this would be the closet that that little girl's playing in. What do you mean there was change piles? There was there? like, if, if you look in one of the closets, there's on two separate places. There's just nickels, pennies just sitting on this table. Piles of them. I saw them too. Yeah, what? just piles oh, of coins. A couple of dollars. In, in, inside the closet that you were talking about. Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I have to go <laughs> You there's a closeted coin thief around here somewhere. Yeah. She's contributing. Yeah, she's she's <laughs> she's been looking in the couch every single night. <laughs> she may be stealing it from the guests. Yeah. She, she's, she's felt bad this whole time, and she wants to pay rent at this point. <laughs> you know, one of the things that the that many guests have experienced is that they will take their glasses off at night, and they'll say, "Now I take them off, and I put them right beside my bed." And they'll get up the next morning and they'll find them out in the hallway or they'll find them in their luggage or they'll find them downstairs. You know, we, they'll find them, but they'll be someplace where they'll easily see them. Yeah. And um, people are always asking me about that. Did you come into my room last night? Uh, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Didn't you have your door locked? You know, they ask you stupid questions like that. Like you might have gone in their room and picked up their glasses and moved them. No, man, you don't do that. You're and, sitting there. It's like two o'clock. I got time to go move these people's glasses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no way. I'm you, too tired. You've had paranormal groups come through here before on the on the regular, right? Yes. So yes, have they have. ever like 
we've kind of talked a little bit about EVPs. They're called, what does that stand for? Electronic Voice Phenomenon. Yeah. So there's that. Have they gotten any... Where's all the... We, everyone's got a phone with a camera on it now. Where's the footage is what I want to know. <laughs> you know, on my um, webpage, on my Facebook forward Stone Lion Inn, I have a couple of them. I have really? one of this thing. It kind of looks like... Oh, what, like a jellyfish, but it's got, okay. it's kind of, it's kind of looks open like that. Is it that. an orb? It, no, it's big. It's <laughs> okay. really, and it's coming out of the floor mm. right next to the fireplace. And wow. there's this woman sitting there and her eyes, and she was one of our guests and she's oh, okay. like looking like, holy crap, what's that? You know, and this thing is coming up and I have a picture of that. That's insane. And I have a picture of some orbs and stuff like that. But, you know, sometimes orbs are just lint on the lens. Yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah. Sometimes so you orbs have to, are orbs. Exactly. Yeah, sometimes orbs are orbs and sometimes orbs are lint. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's uh, a great t-shirt. And, uh, <laughs> So you have to determine what is what, and yeah. you know, blowing them up on a computer can sometimes help, but and sometimes you realize, and especially if you see any kind of color in it, like fuzzy blue or something, it's mm-hmm. probably socks. Lent see, that's socks what I love. Um, whenever I like am looking at places such as this, uh, and on our last Halloween special, if you go to last year and you listen to the Overholster Mansion interview that we did, I talk a little bit about the spectral waveform monitor. And I have that on my phone. And what I love about this is that it's like, there's no lens for things to look like an orb that are not an orb. Like this is just, you know, the electromagnetic spectrum that you're looking at, you know, coming through the microphone, of course, but mics are based, they're, they're magnet based, which is in the electromagnetic spectrum and all that kind of stuff. And that's where a lot of this stuff exists. Like if we're gonna try to look at it scientifically. And so like- That's the way I prefer to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I love this because you can actually see sound. It's really freaking cool. And if you're listening and you're wondering what, what the crap I'm talking about, um, look up the spectral waveform monitor or uh, spectral analyzer. It's like a Jackson Pollock painting, but he only went with two colors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm just kind of curious, you know, what kind of stuff we might actually pick up here. Cause like, the, the more that you work around this kind of thing, you, the more that you know what you're looking at, whether it's cicadas look like a certain thing, you know, um, cable interference looks like a certain thing, everything looks different. So I'm kind of mm-hmm. curious if anything will show up here. Because like, I keep hearing these movements in the mics with nobody freaking moving and it's making me suspicious. <laughs> I think your sound equipment is haunted. <laughs> The ghost of sound. The ghost in the mic. You know, when Ghost Hunters was here, they have this um, these cameras that will uh, show light signatures, mm-hmm. and they caught a light signature of a cat in this downstairs bedroom, and it was just in on the camera. It just looked like fuzzy ball yeah. kind of thing, but faint. I've seen the cat. I see him once in a while when I come over here in the morning to have breakfast with my guests he's trotting down the stairs and he comes across the hall and then he sneaks in here the first time I saw him Michelle and I went through this house looking for this cat thinking there's a cat in the house there's no cats or any animals over here and we went through looking everywhere we tore this place apart looking for this cat and it always does the same thing every time I see it it's coming down the stairs then I'll see it cross the hallway and come and wrap itself around and come in through here, and then it's just gone. We've and I've I'm had start my looking under the table. <laughs> There's a glitch in the matrix, man. <laughs> oh, and my guests have seen it too. There have been a couple wow. of guests who have said, "Do you have cats in the house?" And I said, "No, we don't allow cats in yeah. here." Does it do the same thing for them? And they've seen this little black cat, and it's just—it looks more like a fur ball. Right. It's just, yeah. Just looks kind of like a fuzzy thing, but cats have a pace. They have a jaunt mm-hmm. to their tr- their little trot mm-hmm. when they're moving. And you know the signature of a cat. You can, I mean, you know what that looks like. Yeah. And it's a lot different than a dog. Mm-hmm. How dogs walk. Mm-hmm. So is it always like out of the corner of their eye? Or are you actually seeing a? No, I've seen it. Just I've just seen the thing. But now speaking of the corner of the eye, Michelle, my housekeeper has been down in the basement. And for years, she would tell me about 
there's a man in the basement. Oh, and she wow. says, I see him when I'm down folding clothes, and because that's where I have our laundry. And she said, I see him. Wait, and you know how big that basement is. It's 2,000 square feet. Yeah. And she said, I see him in the back, and I see him out of the, the side of my face, of, you know, a, a visual. And she said, then when I turn to face him, he's gone. And I turn back. So it's a peripheral vision. And she has seen him. Well, after hearing her tell me this for a long time, it got to the point where we took the laundry out. And I do the laundry now over at the White Peacock. Mm -hmm. And so she doesn't do the laundry. She didn't go down much at the basement. But the uh, museum here in town called me, the Territorial Museum. And they had found some old, old photographs of Mr. Houghton and the children. And she, they asked me if I'd like a copy of them, and they made a copy for me, and I picked them up. And the man in the photograph is exactly the same man that has Michelle has seen downstairs. I showed him to her. She said, that's the guy in downstairs. So, that's <laughs> so many chills over here. So, so I'm curious, Professor DeRoot, how uh, how do you feel about all this? Like, what, what what goes through your mind when you're hearing stories like this? Everything seems very sensible. Sensible how? Like, I mean, I'm, like... Uh, in my research, there's been uh, just so much evidence of things happening all over Oklahoma. Why not here, too? It has a long history. It has people genuinely connected to it enough that it's his house. Why wouldn't he come back? And the question is, why is he in the basement? Why not come up here with us? Yeah. Is he, is he doing laundry? Maybe uh, a man of his affluence would not do 100. I bet he's smoking. <laughs> ah, that makes sense. Sneaking some down in the basement. Yeah. yeah. Although we have a smoking parlor across the hall. That used to be the smoking parlor. Gentleman's smoking parlor. I feel like if he's like staying around, he's kind of a rule breaker though. Yeah. So he's not like, I'm not going to go to the smoking parlor. I'm going to yeah. hang out with the housekeeper. <laughs> <laughs> so... We have our reporter Sam Staxton here. Like, how do you, what's going through your mind when you hear stories like this? Because this is not y'all's first rodeo, right? Like, you guys have investigated a few different paranormal experiences and been to a few rodeos. <laughs> just, everything just is really quite fascinating from a story perspective. I'm more interested in the tourism aspect and more of like what brings people to places and what's their story. And some people like to, I feel like, life's kind of boring and they want to mix things up and think there's more out there. And hmm. I believe a lot of, most of the time it's just their imaginations playing tricks on them, make things a little bit more interesting. Hmm. Or maybe there is something out there. You know, when I first opened the house and people started staying here and having things disappear, we wouldn't mention anything about the house might be haunted or it might, I hate you even using that word. I mm -hmm. like to always just say the house has issues. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> we never mentioned it to the guests. And when they would try to talk to us about it, we would just say, oh really, that's interesting. <laughs> what? Yes. And, then, and we would act like it was the first time we'd ever heard yeah. that. That's not a baking table? <laughs> <laughs> Because we didn't want to, we didn't want to give a positive affirmation that something was going on in the house. Yeah. And we tried to downplay it. And I was getting phone call after phone call from some of these groups in the late 90s. Now, remember, a lot of this didn't really happen much until the late 90s when the internet really took off and there was one in everybody's house, mm -hmm. yeah. a computer. Before then... There was, I'm sure these groups uh, were around, but they didn't have the resources that they can easily now just type in a few words and find out who's where. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Even also, like, the, ghost the tech world. has just gotten so crazy, you know, like like how I can just bring up the spectral waveform right. monitor right here on my phone, you know, and, you know, they've got. So people all started sorts of crazy contacting things. us and they would want to do a ghost hunt. We would say, oh, no, no, no ghost hunting here. That's not what we do. Mm -hmm. We're not. Yeah. We're not going to have you come in and do a ghost hunt. And we had ladies call us and say, a couple of them say, I would like to come and do an exorcism and exorcise <laughs> but it's Mr. your Houghton's ghost. <laughs> yes, and I, uh, yeah. and I thought... Rude. And what did yeah. he do to you? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I was... I was really aghast at that. Because, yeah. First of all, we weren't not telling anybody that we thought there was something here. Yeah. And second of all, even if it is, what makes you the person who's 
going to get rid of it. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I was not comfortable with that at all. Well, and and I thought, what if it like, caused more trouble? Yeah. Well, it sounds like the stuff that you're experiencing here is more on the ghost level more, and not so much of a demonic presence. No, but, it's playful. Yeah. Everything that's happened here is just kind of playful. Yeah. And it's also... Uh, been sort of I felt like the houses protected us yeah. too I had this time when we were bro broken into and uh, we we were sure it was probably some teenage boys my housekeeper at the end of the murder mystery would take all the liquor bottles that people had left and put them in the kitchen and on the uh, buffet in there and I think they could see them through the windows and they would come and break into the house and take the liquor and then they started coming in and taking the liquor, and then they took food. And then they came another time and took sheets, and you know yeah. it got a little, it got a little more aggressive. And we did finally tell the police. And then I came over one night. My sister and I were going to try to catch whoever was breaking into the house, and we set a lookout in the church parking lot behind the house, and we waited and waited and waited and hunkered down in the car. And nothing happened. And so I finally got tired. And I said, I got to go home. I'm, I'm tired. But I left something in the kitchen. So I came over here. She stayed in the car. And I came in the house. And the house just, I walked into the kitchen. The TV turned on. It had snow. And it made horrible noises. Like it was, something was dying. It was like, Row! I th it sounded like a cat was being murdered. Yeah. And it was kind of scary. And I thought, the house is trying to tell me something. Hmm. It's just popped in my head. The house says to get out. So yeah. I did. I got out of the house. And we were broken into that night. Wow. Again, after we left. Yeah. If I had been in here at that time, I might have been injured or hurt. Yeah. You know, there's somebody coming in. They find you here. They're not expecting you, not expecting anybody in the house. Mm -hmm. It could have really turned out badly. So I felt like that, that that time it was like the house was trying to tell me something. You wow. need to get out of here. Mm -hmm. And so I did. By the way, it ended just like it started. All of a sudden, eight months of this, and it went away. They never came back until really? another year and a half. Ooh. We figured they're in jail. Mm -hmm. And then they came back. Huh. This time they were much more aggressive. And they finally got caught when they broke, they were breaking into other people's things too. They were breaking, going down the alleys and breaking into cars on the alley side yeah. of the house. Well, they made a big mistake. They broke into the DA's office, a DA's truck. Oh man! Yeah, they Car broke. Car is a bitch. They man. broke into, the, yeah, they broke into the into the district attorney's. Uh, his name was. Um, uh, Hood is went well, not Hood Hudson Rob Hudson yeah. mm -hmm. and they broke into his truck and apparently they stole some checks and a cattle prod which kind of unnerved me thinking oh DA with a cattle prod mm. yeah <laughs> I was thinking what about could go wrong wait, I, was, yeah, what, I was thinking of confessions yeah and, uh, <laughs> yeah. but but then I found out he has a lot of cattle oh. so oh, okay that makes more sense so I was reassured that he had cattle. Yeah. And, and he needed confessions. And, no, <laughs> but no. mostly the cattle. No, he's really a great guy. He's really a <laughs> yes, cattle great, need to confess. Made, <laughs> yeah. he, he made a fantastic DA, and he's yeah. a, now a judge, and he's really a great guy. But oh, anyway, awesome. he's he he didn't do anything wrong. Um, so the lesson here is you can break into a haunted house, but you can't you, break into a yeah, DA's car. That's yeah. right. <laughs> Not a DA's truck yeah, in yeah. the back. The universe draws the line there. <laughs> yeah, so they got caught and they got sent away. But what they found in the house was all of my stuff that had been being pilfered that every time they'd when they'd come back from their first little uh stay at the local mm -hmm. penitentiary yeah. or whatever when they came back they you'd start taking things out of the house but they never sold any of it they, it was all there in the house the police called me and they said we think we found your stuff and they told me the story of how they'd been caught. And sure enough, all the little figurines and stuff that they'd picked up in the house, they were all there. Huh. Yeah, wow. So they didn't... Certainly lucky. Yeah, I was lucky. And they just must have wanted to keep them. They, they just found them interesting. Because we have a lot of stuff in this house. 
Lots of. Whenever I break into items. a house, I usually just kind of go sightseeing and then, Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Just Nick meander Nick. through. I like that. that looks Nick. nice. Yeah. Well, <laughs> apparently they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe you're just not sensitive. I, I'm not. <laughs> These guys were obviously art collectors. Oh, right? Of course. And of you course. are not. You would have probably just stuck with the liquor, right? <laughs> Yeah, these guys, yeah. they have a finer taste yeah. than I do. They do, uh, absolutely. <laughs> and that's what we have here in Guthrie, yeah. really refined yeah. burglars. I'm not just a thief, I'm an artist. <laughs> Damn it. I'm an, like, that's right. Well, you had another story about the house protecting you, didn't you? I did. Yeah. I was uh, working in the house. I was back in the kitchen cooking. It was in the early spring, and I had the front doors open, and it was like a Sunday evening, I think. And I heard some guys coming in the front door, and I could tell it was more than one or two. And they were just, and they, I heard them go into the living room, and I thought, oh my God, I'm here alone in the house. My kids were next door. And in, in my mind, I was screaming my older son's name, Grant. And I was, I thought, oh, Grant, Grant, help. And he shows up with the man next door and, and my younger son, all of them, all the kids were over next door and they all came over and came in the front and scared these guys to death. They came mm-hmm. running in saying, Mom, Mom, what's wrong? And um, those guys ran out and ran down the street and they called the police and I don't know if they didn't pick them up. I don't think they got them, but it did. I felt like the house was protecting me. And didn't you say like they had heard your name being like? Are you heard? They, they heard, they you? heard me screaming, Grant, Grant. Yeah, yeah, they said, Mom, you were calling me, and I said I wasn't. I was, I was dumb. I, but in my mind, I was calling you. That's yeah. nuts. And that was really amazing to me that that happened. Mm-hmm. Wow. We've so got, got quite a few stories here. Well, we're kind of running a little low on time on our end. So, Professor, do you have any questions to ask? A hundred million questions, but there's not time. <laughs> we'll have to do this again. We should meet back next year. Mm-hmm. If I'm still alive. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Even then, we could still perhaps have Listen, an interview. Guys, yeah. I, I'm older than these boys are. Yeah. <laughs> A but, lot older. But then, but then we'll check in the closet and see if you're hanging out. Yeah, and yeah and change. right. Yeah. Come and check on me, okay? Yeah. Make sure I'm not just hanging out at the Stone Lion Inn. Yeah. I personally stopped recording the conversation, Brian continued the interview as they wanted to know about the movies that had been filmed there for his podcast. Also, worth noting, before we left, we did try to reach out to the spirits of the house, which, according to the professor, I had provoked them into responding in a negative manner. For that side of the story, check out the Okie Show Show wherever you get your podcast. I'm Sam Saxon, and you've been listening to Tales Unveiled. Tales Unveiled is a production of The Show Starts Now Studios and is produced by Dennis Spielman. The voice of Sam Saxton is Dennis Spielman. The voice of Professor Jeff DeRoot is Jeff Provine. Featuring Brian, Lainey, Nicholas, and Rebecca as themselves. Want to solve a murder mystery or stay a night at the Stone Lion Inn for yourself? Visit www.stonelioninn.com. To support this podcast and get bonus content, visit www.talesunveiled.com. Before we go, I have some helpful advice for you from our old friend, Will Rogers. Rumor travels faster, but it doesn't stay put as long as the truth. Mm-hmm.